Welcome to Garbage and Gold, the podcast that is powerfully passionate, smacking with sarcasm, and bursting with banter. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. Each week, we pick the worst and the best of a certain topic and present our ideas for each other and for you listeners. Then you all have the ability to weigh in on who you agree with more and share your picks with us. We will give you more info on how to do that at the end of the show. But before we dive into our topic for this week's episode, let's hit the recap and poll results from last week's episode. So Lisa, in the showdown of 80s fashion trends, yeah, <laughs> in the garbage, my garbage of scrunchies and yeah. your garbage of shoulder pads, <laughs> yeah. You do win, and I didn't get a single vote. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not mad. I still hate scrunchies. <laughs> I, Lindsay, I wore this for you today. Do you see <laughs> get that scrunchie out of my face. <laughs> I will admit, in the last week, I did use a scrunchie because Girl. I was away from home, and I yeah. needed something to pull my hair back with. And yeah. someone's like, here, you can use my scrunchie. And I was like, ugh. Desperate so times, man. It. Desperate times. I get it. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> It's fine. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> you and your scrunchies. Yeep. Ugh, shoulder pads are lovely. Dignified. <laughs> Dignified. Absolutely. That's what I think of when I think of shoulder pads. You're not wrong. <laughs> Dignified. All right. And then in the gold showdown between my gold of leg warmers and your gold of Ray-Bans, yeah. you win that one as well. Yay! So good, good job, you. I stand. I stand by. Leg warmers are the epitome of an '80s fashion trend. They really are. Stand by it. I feel good about that choice. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Our listeners had a lot to say about it this week too. So they they, did. Do you have a favorite listener comment you would like to share? I do actually. This one is from at L Hodnefeld. Lindsay tagged us and said her son Milo was rocking a scrunchie on his wrist because the girls at daycare had them, so he needed one too, which I respect so much. Milo (laughs) Milo is so cutting edge, like feeling it so much. So (laughs) yes, that was that was mine. What about you? Uh, So I have uh, a comment from Laura at Lemon Dahlia's who said who did vote for you both both times but said i was torn because i still wear aviators so i'm not sure it's a trend Mm. but i've never worn leg warmers yes thank you for understanding the difference between a fashion and a trend but still voting for me (laughs) whatever no no one votes for me it's fine it's not a good week i stand by i i like my 80s fashion trend choices so you do you can't change my mind you know what and that's the good part about our show is we always vote are we always like put up what we truly believe we don't do it for the votes we do it for our integrity that (laughs) that is super important in podcasting (laughs) my integrity is intact about my feelings about scrunchies (laughs) they teach us that at podcasting school everybody (laughs) (laughs) they do it's a whole semester long class about integrity (laughs) integrity god And so, Lisa, before we dive into uh, the Star Wars episode, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is coming next, um, just a disclaimer for y'all: it's a little long, and yep. we know that. Yep, and we're sorry. And <laughs> um, I have gone on record that I haven't seen a Star Wars movie, and so our special guest co-host, yeah, and Lisa went yeah. long we talking did. about Star Wars movies. They had a lot. 
of feelings and a lot of things to say. Yeah. When you get some nerds together to talk about nerd stuff, it's not going to be a timely discussion. So, right. yeah, this episode's going to run about an hour. Yep. So, like, we are really trying to stay within that 30 to 40 minute mark. So, yep. we're sorry. Break this one up. It's a couple different commutes for some of you. Yeah. Um, it's you worth know, it. Maybe it's you can clean it. more of your house while you listen to us this week. <laughs> Do another so. load of laundry. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll be back to a normal time frame next time. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so now on to the extra long show. All right, so this week on Garbage and Gold, we will be deliberating Star Wars movies. Yes. Like all of them. That is mm-hmm, correct. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Lisa, because I, I just care about you and I want you to flex <laughs> your your nerd pop culture muscles and I can't flex with you, yeah. I had to yeah. call, I had to phone a friend. And so okay. so arguing with you today is our good friend Spencer from Fortress of Nerditude. Spencer, say hello to everybody. I don't know if arguing's the right word, but maybe mm. intellectual discourse. <laughs> Spencer, with uh, don't make me kick fact. you off. <laughs> with facts. With facts. Oh, good. Can't wait for these facts. So, <laughs> Spencer, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast before we dive in? So I run a podcast called The Fortress of Nerditude. It basically started off with me and my best friend, and we got together every week, and we talked about everything in nerd and pop culture that we're interested in or that is remotely interesting to anyone. And then uh, he left me, and then I was on my own, and then I got another friend to come on, and then he left me, and now I'm just kind of going solo and bringing people in and having a good time. It's a place you can go once a week to just let your nerd flag fly, join me, and have a good time. That's what it's about. Absolutely. Would you mm-hmm. like to share with us who your favorite guest co-hosts were? Ever. ever. Oh, man. Ever. Ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever. Uh, so there's this <coughs> podcast that I've been listening to lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's these two amazing women who debate well, I don't know. I don't know. Debate, maybe, but it's some sort of discourse. And uh, they, they get facts. into like the best and worst of things. It's, it's kind of great. That sounds like a dope podcast. Oh my gosh, I mean, it sounds so good. every week. <laughs> That's right. We guest hosted a while ago. We were we were so excited we to do did. it. So thanks for having us. Super fun. Thanks for coming no, over here. Absolutely. Anytime. Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So, so Spencer is going to be sharing for me, Lisa. How are you feeling yeah. about that? Nervous. Okay. I have the sweats. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I did a lot of research on my own, though, and I've, I I feel confident in my mm-hmm. choices. I just don't know that I can go toe-to-toe, but I'm going to try. Pages and I pages of this. notes I have, not that I need them, but I have them as, <laughs> just in case. Spencer, I will warn Fabulous. you, I did just play like a girl power playlist for Lisa. So she is she is True story. hyped right Amped now. Up. She's ready. Up. Yeah. Did it include yeah, Eye of the Tiger from Rocky Three? It did not, because that's uh, not a girl power song. Uh, correct. I, did, I would disagree. Did it include Shaka <laughs> Khan? Yes, it did. Uh, there you go. Did it have Spice Girls in it? <laughs> no, it did not. See, we're we're good. We're good. Yeah. I got this. I got this. <laughs> if you said Spice Girls was involved, I would have been like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. Bad oh, immediately. Mercy rule. Come on, Lisa. Spice up your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's spicy. I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Okay, so in a shocking turn of events, since I am not yeah. choosing Star Wars movies, and we thought it would be a genius idea if I did the yeah. research this week. 
I'm so nice. <laughs> I I'm glad that you are excited. I yeah. Yep. I am also here. So I, I can't wait to drop some well actuallys on you. That'll be fun. No. It's gonna get it's gonna get it's gonna get deep in the nerd stuff here. Okay, so uh, <laughs> shout out to nme.com and IMDB for my uh, copious research. So the Star Wars films were originally written and directed by a guy named George Lucas. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Um, And George (laughs) Lucas released the first Star Wars movie in 1977. He was convinced, him and many of his director friends were convinced that it would be a flop. But it uh, was not a flop and became a very successful, in fact, the fifth most successful movie franchise of all time. Little fact Ooh. for you. I know. Yeah. The research is fun. I like being smug. It is. So, the Star Wars <laughs> movies. <laughs> it's very meta. It I'm is. smug about being smug. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, the Star Wars movies uh, were released in a certain order, in like kind of, I, I'm going to call them chunks, and I know that that's probably not the way you would want me to refer them to them, but like uh, tr- in like kind of trilogies, and they were released in an odd yes. order. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through, if you were going to watch the Star Wars plot in chronological order, not the movies in chronological order, we're going to go, I'm just going to list them right now. So episode one is Phantom Menace. This is part of the prequels. Those were released between 1999 and 2005. So episode one was Phantom Menace. Episode two was Attack of the Clones. And episode three was Revenge of the Sith. So those are prequels to the original movies. And then, uh, so there are the original trilogy, the prequels, and then what I like to call the Disney years, because Disney did buy Lucasfilms in 2015. And so, if we're in chronological order, we have the prequels, then we have Solo, which was a standalone film released in 2018, and then Rogue One, which was a standalone film released in 2016, and then we move in to the original trilogy, some would say the best of the trilogy, of all the Star Wars movies, the best trilogy, the original A New Hope, which was released in 1977, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi. And then we move back into Disney years with The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and releasing December 20th, 2019, The Rise of Skywalker. So why Star Wars is an important movie franchise for everyone is it really was a game changer. In the 70s, uh, science fiction was not what it is now. And so for movies especially, this really kind of bumped up them up into a different stratosphere. Um, there's so many iconic things about Star Wars that have become part of our culture. Um, so the scrolling text at the beginning of the movies, the uh, the like whole other worlds that, that George Lucas created in the movies, the John Williams score. He scored all but two of these movies, which were amazing. We get some iconic characters like Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewie, R2-D2, C-3PO, Yoda, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi. All of these things are like the kind of what you refer to as um, cultural things. It also introduced Mm -hmm. things like lightsabers, also known as glow swords. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, No. Okay. It's fine. I was just making sure you guys were listening because now I understand Lisa's whole life because it feels like I can feel 
the eyes glazing over of like, oh, whatever. Dude, no, feel I'm the hate in. coming off of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it oh, also, got to glow sword, yeah. <laughs> it also introduced words like Jedi, Wookiees, uh, some very famous movie quotes that are incorrectly quoted, like Luke, I am your father, and do or do not, there is no try. So it's full of action, it's full of adventure, it has interesting worlds, it has interesting characters, there's romance, there's long-lost siblings, there's iconic villains. The Star Wars movies are like a part of the world's pop culture and mm-hmm. in 2018 the franchise was estimated to be valued at 65 billion dollars 65 billion dollars it's a lot of money it's a lot of money it's a lot of money did i did i miss research anything <laughs> <laughs> N- miss research no maybe not okay could it anything i missed could have been more research, detailed um, oh my so God. that's a, that's the thing like people like me i'd say like george lucas based this off the hidden fortress by akira kurosawa the japanese director yep. there's like mm. things like that that like right. i know because i'm an uber nerd and this is like my right. wheelhouse mm-hmm. uh but you know for just general research this was perfect why, thank you. So, Spencer, this is this is the fun part. So you are now going to share your garbage Star Wars movie with everyone. So, Spencer, remember, these votes are for me. Do not let me down. What is your Perfect. garbage Star I, I Wars you. movie? Okay. I got you. Also, I find it really funny real quick that, like, you reference them in chronological order of, like, the time frame in film. Yeah. Because they were chronologically released differently. Yes. And then also, you could, like, look at them chronologically the way they uh the way they line up like the way george intended them to it's a hot mess no matter right, how you want to look at it but anyway right. yeah. that is not my garbage though okay so <laughs> well good because that doesn't fit the format all right what Lindsay, is your garbage our garbage yes i'm so excited. our garbage okay so our garbage <laughs> is star wars episode two attack of the clones yeah take this that was, lisa this was <laughs> boom <laughs> mic drop Uh, So this was released in 2002, directed by George Lucas. It was also written by Lucas and Jonathan Hales. Really, the only other thing Jonathan Hales had written was some young Indiana Jones chronicles. To that point, Lucas needed some help. He brought him in. Uh, The movie takes place 10 years after The Phantom Menace, which was really a way to recast Jake Lloyd, who played young Anakin Skywalker, Annie, as he was called. And then Hayden Christensen was... Uh, cast as Anakin. Here is why this movie is garbage. First of all, Hayden Christensen is a horrible, horrible, horrible actor. Or at least he was at the time. Uh, He was this whiny, pretentious, emo teenage boy Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. no one wants to think Darth Vader, who's the the villain of all villains. Spoiler alert. Yeah, some whiny teenage boy. (laughs) What makes it even worse is that in this film, George Lucas had to set up eventually how Luke and Leia are going to come about. So we get this really weird, awkward romance between Padme and Anakin. And like, it doesn't make sense. It contradicts itself. Padme decides she's totally into this Jedi who's not supposed to be falling in love. 
despite the fact that he's voicing support for a dictatorship, he rants and raves about wanting to become omnipotent. He reveals he murdered an entire village of sand people, including women and children. Like, you know, that totally, you know, gets girls going. Or so I've been told, according to this movie. Um, dialogue in this movie is horrible. He has this whole thing. It's like, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. It's, oh. It's so <laughs> this movie awful. that's awful, awful yeah. it's horrible horrible <laughs> it's not good yeah. so this movie is supposed to be this whole idea of like the clone wars come out and they start and this is something that we've heard about in the previous movies in the original trilogy mm-hmm. we know that luke's dad fought with obi-wan kenobi in the clone wars except this movie really just takes forever to set up how the clone wars are going to begin it doesn't actually begin until the very end we get all this stuff about like, you know, how these clones were created. How were they paid like plot holes everywhere? How they were paid for by a single Jedi? Why didn't the people that were doing the cloning come and look for this Jedi who didn't show up for 10 years? Oh, and then basically the Senate just says, oh, hey, we got to fight these aliens and these robots. So yeah, let's go ahead and use this pre-existing army that we don't know where it's come from. And let's just use that. Like the plot wise, it does not make a lot of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. This is supposed to be how Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, have this great bond. Instead, we just hear about everything that's happened off screen. By the way, we have horrible stiff acting. It's not done well. This movie is so boring. It's literally like watching Hitler rise to power in the 1930s. It's that type of story. We see how the Emperor is going to rise to power and how he's going to seize that. Who wants to watch this? This is Star Wars. We want to see mm-hmm. fun action. We don't want some like boring two and a half hour slog to then finally at the very end see a little bit of clones and a little bit of action and a few plot threads. It it literally feels like a placeholder to get you from the first movie to the third movie, which actually then kind of kicks up the real story that'll lead into the original trilogy. Attack of the Clones is hot garbage for those reasons. And many, many more <laughs> that I don't want to spend 50 hours talking about because I could. It, right. it is the worst of the prequels. And that says a lot because Jar Jar Binks was all over the Phantom Menace and he's barely <laughs> in this one. And it still qualifies as garbage. Whoa. Okay. That is our pick, okay. Lindsay. Okay. That's, I feel good about that. Like you brought in Hitler. I think that was the first Hitler reference of garbage and gold history. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Lisa, what do you got? Um, good luck. Yeah. So I have a couple things I would like to rebut for the Clone Wars because I, I, I agree with a lot of the things that you said, obviously, Spencer, because I, I will say I really like the Clone Wars, like the animated movie, and I really love the animated series. And so two very that- different, different things, though. Oh, absolutely. I understand. I understand. But just knowing what it could have been, I think, is then what makes me kind of like sad that that wasn't included in this. So so I I feel that for sure, because I think that's such a big part of what was in the Star Wars like universe. And then so it gets to this. We're like, yeah, we're going to find out more. Oh, okay, okay. We're not really going to find out a whole lot more. All right. But here are some things that I would say that I think I really appreciate about um, episode two. I think. Yes, Hayden Christensen's a terrible actor on the whole, for sure. Yep. But I thought Nat- this was Natalie Portman's best performance in the prequels. Oh, sure. I thought you were going to say ever. For and sure. I was like, she won an Oscar Ooh. for Black Swan. No. She cannot. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I think but it's that attack of the clones, much, much better. <laughs> I think it's her best performance in the trilogy. Her costumes are super dope. Like, the costuming in this is, like, 
amazing. But the costuming's super dope in all Star Wars movies, though. I mean, they do but great. But specifically, because she's, she's like, you know, she's, like, rising up. And so she's, like, her costumes are getting more and more elaborate. And it's just, like, I don't know. It, it, the When I think about Padme, I think about Padme in... Uh, episode two, because I feel like those are her most iconic things before she kind of, I think she gets a lot more screen time in this film because they Mm -hmm. have to rely on the whole awkward romance. And like, I I don't disagree with you. Like she, she is one of the bright acting spots in this as well Mm -hmm. as you and McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. But like, but like you, but you have Samuel L. Jackson in this film, like Samuel L. Jackson chews up the scenery, except you cast him as a Jedi who's not supposed to have emotions, so you can't really let Samuel L. Jackson be Samuel L. Jackson, and that's the only reason you ever put him in a movie. That is fair. I will say they do expand more upon Mace Windu's character in this one for sure, because you get a little teaser of him in episode one and you want more, and you get a little bit more, but you're right. He's still definitely not as good as he could be because they don't let him be. Samuel L. Jackson, for sure. Um, I will also say Ooh. I really appreciated Count Dooku in Episode Two way more than Darth Maul in Episode One. So as when it comes to like the the token bad guy of the movie, I'm gonna go with Dooku for sure because he's witty, he's elegant, he's got like good motivation, you know, and he's like a fallen Jedi, so he's got a good backstory. It's Christopher Lee; he's a super good actor, and he's like upset with the ineffectiveness of the Galactic Republic. So I feel like his motivations are super legit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to disagree that I wish Darth Maul would have had more to do in Phantom Menace cuz I thought he was a Absolutely. really cool villain. It could have been a lot more. Um mm-hmm. my only problem with the the Dooku story is that there's so much of his story cuz the actor's amazing. I mean, Christopher Lee, I mean, yeah. just come on. Uh yeah. but the problem is so much of his story is like Things that once again, it's the things that happened off screen in the past. We hear little bits and pieces of, and that's lazy, lazy writing, and I cannot <laughs> stand fair. that. It's like, yeah. show me, don't tell me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah, that's all I've got. It's really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's not a good. It's not good. Yeah. It's not good. My garbage is more garbage, but that's still a garbage movie. I'm with you. It's fine. <laughs> all right. So Lisa, you have heard our garbage. That I feel yeah. very confident about. So let's hear what is your garbage <laughs> Star Wars movie. My garbage Star Wars movie. I went with episode one, The Phantom Menace, as my yeah. garbage. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a tight one. It was the two it movies, was a coin flip. <laughs> it it, it was, was a coin not, flip. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So Phantom Menace episode one was released in 1999, written and directed by George Lucas, which I think is a huge part of the problem, actually, because the writing is so bad. He's not good at that. And he just insisted on doing it. And it's not great. So can I I ask a question? Yeah. Was. Yeah. Is his writing and directing bad in the original trilogy too? Yes, and you're just like fine yeah. with it. So, so here, so here's the thing. No, it's it's more that George Lucas is great at story, mm-hmm. but if mm-hmm. you go and I'll get into this a little bit later, he wrote Star Wars, the first film, which became A New Hope. But then when Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, he had the story, but other people came in and wrote the actual screenplay, mm-hmm. and that's why right. those movies, the writing is much tighter, much better paced. Uh, yes. And so uh, yes. George Lucas on his own writes very kind of clunky wooden yes. dialogue. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. It's like overly floral. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry, mm-hmm. Lisa, continue. No, you're good. You're good. So like we talked about with episode two, there's a lot of really good actors in these movies, but it's just they can't they can't get through all these 
terrible lines that they're given to say. So that just it just clunks everything down. So the film is set 32 years before um, A New Hope, and it follows you know the Jedi Knights and um, Jin and Obi Wan Kenobi, and they protect Queen Amidala in hopes of securing a peaceful end to the large scale interplanetary trade dispute <laughs> so this is this is what we're yes. doing we are bringing back star wars after a decade and a half and we are going to talk about trade disputes <laughs> this is the plot that they choose to go with okay fantastic everyone loves economics everyone loves <laughs> oh economics. My God. absolutely absolutely <laughs> so bad okay so why i chose the phantom menace as garbage the anticipation was so high for the phantom menace when it came out like people were so stoked that star wars is going to be back and for good reason yep. like we're going to get the origin story of darth vader it's going to be super great and then there's no momentum there's no excitement there's no tension the plot is about trade routes, political <laughs> intrigue, blood tests, and the force. Like, who is that supposed to draw in? That's not going to draw in people that love it. It's not going to draw in new people. No, no one. No one wants that. And then things just kind of happen. Like, because again, this is George Lucas's writing style. It just kind of like plops in your lap. Like he doesn't take the time to build danger or intrigue or tension or suspense. It's just like, this thing happened. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Other than, I will say, other than the pod race scene, which is super rad, but that cannot salvage an entire film, no matter how cool it is, because I really like the pod race scene. I think that was really neat. The pod racing scene is good, but it goes on for 15 minutes too long. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. I mean, there's that. Yeah. Right, Lindsay? Right? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Took the words right out of my mouth, Spencer. (laughs) So, and obviously we have to address that Jar Jar Binks is in it. Like, and people will say that he was in it because it was to appeal to kids, which, okay, maybe, maybe, but it's still a terrible movie. And if this is supposed to be a kids movie, it's a terrible kids movie then. So it doesn't matter why he's there. It's still terrible. I think George Lucas really liked the idea of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi to appeal to kids so he could sell merchandise. And he thought that kids would relate to Jar Jar Binks. But no, (laughs) just no. They did not. No. No, they did not. No one did. No one did. <laughs> yeah. No one did. It's awful. Um, so yeah, my the main reason that this is garbage to me is that fans waited a decade and a half to get this. A movie about taxation of trade routes and star system disputes. And there's you have all these great actors and then you have terrible writing. And if it had been if this had been the movie that really was meant to start everything, there would not be a Star Wars franchise. No one would it's see true. more of these. No one. I, I agree with that. That is very true. If that had been my first experience, no, yeah, no. you're not gonna go I back for more. Back Absolutely no. not. Me's a Jar Jar Binks. Me's a never coming back. <laughs> oh, I was hoping a Jar Jar impression <laughs> was gonna happen. Oh, I was hoping. Oh, I was hoping. Man, all oh, my dreams came true. So, so the yeah. so the interesting thing about this is that I I totally agree. This is a garbage movie. Um, mm-hmm. but there there's other things too that this movie does that like has like these moments where like, ooh, this could be really good. Like the first time you see Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and they finally get onto the Trade Federation, you know, uh, embargoed, you know, space station. And he rams the hilt of his lightsaber into the metal door and starts melting it. Like to me, I was like, whoa, why have we mm-hmm. never seen this before? This is a genius mm-hmm. use of this technology. Things like that, yeah. like little things. I was like, ooh, the big final showdown between Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan is an amazing, yeah. amazing scene. And it's got an amazing yeah. score behind it. Oh, yeah. John Williams. like, But it's it, not obviously. enough to, ca- no, to carry an entire movie with little droids. With Roger, Roger. You know, all the. Oh. Yes. 
Yeah. And I think the yeah, I agree with you too, especially with Darth Maul. Like he could have been so much more, but they basically just made him like a scary guy with crazy weapons is all that was. And that's true. And Ray Park also was a martial artist. He wasn't really an actor, so they weren't gonna give yeah. him a lot of lines. He wasn't gonna get a lot of dialogue. It was a few couple words and then just like yeah. I'm gonna look dark and broody and then yeah. go swing a bow staff that's made into a lightsaber. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, I think that was probably a marketing thing, too, because those were super popular toys to have, too. So, I mean, yeah, this is where we start to see some of the things where it's really easy as an adult to be like, George Lucas is just making a money grab. And it was really frustrating. I was going to say, in the research, one of the things that George Lucas did right from the beginning, because he thought the movie was going to be a flop, is he structured his payment so that he would get basically all of merchandising and all of that. And so I'm assuming that that is the deal that continued through for all the movies. Way to go, George Lucas. So that's actually... That's actually one of the most interesting side stories is that the the people at 20th Century Fox, the marketing guy, did not believe that the first Star Wars movie was going to be big. Yeah. And so when George Lucas came back and said, like, hey, I'll let you have a little bit of my salary if I get, you know, 100% of the merchandise, the guy was like, yeah, you're never going to sell anything. This movie's going to be a flop. And the guy, like, literally sacrificed, like, billions of yep. dollars in future revenue yep mm-hmm. that yeah. george lucas mm-hmm. he's a thinker <laughs> yep. was something in yeah. the back of his mind he's thinking one day i'm gonna have little fluffy teddy bears that i can sell <laughs> yes great, great. He only did. he knew what was he coming did. all right so those are two excellent garbage choices you guys are we ready Thank are we you. ready to talk gold yeah, oh, yeah. So. All right. Let's talk good stuff. Okay. Let's get to the good stuff. So, Spencer, what is our gold Star Wars movie? So, I'm going to let you know, Lindsay, we're going to be dropping the mic hard yes. right now on gold. <laughs> Can't wait. If, if we do not win this, Spencer, I'm going to don't say those words. Do not say those words nope. because the minute nope. I say nope. I'm, words I'm like that, I lose. There. Okay. I'm putting it out there. Can I remind you Nin- that 90s grunge music <laughs> lost the 90s music episode? And that was like episode two and I'm not over it yet. It's fine. We okay. can talk about that later because okay. I'm, I'm with you. Okay, thanks. All right. So, sorry. Right. Our gold is... 1980. We're going to go back to 1980. Directed by Irvin Kirshner. Written by Lee Brackett. The only female to have ever written any part <gasps> of a Star Wars movie. And Lawrence Kasdan. This is episode five, The Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, I feel good about this. So The Empire Mm -hmm. Strikes Back takes place three years after Star Wars, which was originally just called Star Wars, and then it was renamed A New Hope. Uh, It is widely considered to be one of the best movies of all time. It's listed as number three on Empire's list of the top 500 movies of all time. Oh, Lisa. It is also... It is also one of the only movies that's a sequel that's considered better than the original. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this movie picks up after after our band of heroes, the Rebel Alliance, has destroyed the first Death Star, and now they are being pursued relentlessly by the Empire and by Darth Vader. They are on the run. There is tension throughout this entire film. There is tension with... The villain and the heroes, Mm -hmm. there is like relationship tension between characters. There's tension between, uh, you know, family type of things that are going to go on to. I'm going to get to a minute. There's, there's just good drama and tension built throughout the entire movie. It introduces characters into the series that we didn't see in the first movie. We get characters like Yoda, Lando Calrissian, the Emperor we actually get to see. We get Boba Fett. 
all while continuing to build on the established characters we saw in the first film and deepening those relationships. Now, we also get to see what everyone really wanted to see in the first film was Luke Skywalker start training as a Jedi Knight because we got to see the the lightsaber and we got to see a little bit of sword play between Vader and Obi-Wan, but Luke really didn't get to do much other than put the blast shield down, get shot a few times with the remote droid, and that was pretty much it. But now we get to see him balancing on rocks, floating Yoda around, he's on Dagobah. <laughs> it's this wonderful, wonderful thing that as a kid, everyone wanted to be a part of. Now, Mm-hmm. We get this scene. The scenery in this film is amazing. You get Hoth, which is this winter, you know, snow-covered planet. So you get all the kind of cool costumes and accoutrements that goes along with that. Then you get to transition over to a swamp world on Dagobah. And so you get Yoda's little hut and everything's got moss covered. I mean, just visually it looks amazing. And then we get to my favorite set piece in any film, the Cloud City of Bespin. This is a floating city that's mining gas, Tabana gas to be exact. It's run by... Oh, good, Lando I was Cal- wondering. I know, it's it's an important thing you <laughs> know, important. right? Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, it's run by Lando Calrissian, who is a former smuggler who has beef with Han Solo and a pre-existing relationship there. We get the famous kind of scene that I quote all the time to my wife when Han and Leia are in the... In the chamber, he's about to be frozen in carbonite, and Leia says, I love you. And he says, I know. Totally ad-libbed by Harrison Ford. I use that with my wife all the time. Love that line. <laughs> Your poor wife. It's so good. Your poor wife. <laughs> she, she knew what she was getting into. Good point. <laughs> we have one of the best villains of all time whose character gets expanded dramatically in this film of Darth Vader. We get to see him hunting down the rebels. We get to see him hunting down one of the few remaining Jedi in Luke Skywalker. We get this, at this point, the best lightsaber duel we had seen with Luke and Vader. And then, of course, we have this moment where Vader is confronting Luke and he says, you know, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. And Luke responds, he says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. And then he says, no, I am your father. It's this massive, massive plot twist that no one saw coming because it it just, it was outside of the realm of thought at that time that you would have such a big, massive plot twist in a second film, in a proposed trilogy. And the film ends before you really get to unpack the implications of what just happened. So it leaves you on this amazing cliffhanging note knowing that there's got to be some sort of resolution and has you wanting more. It's got John Williams score throughout the entire thing. It is literally, in my opinion, the best score of any film I've ever listened to. I listened to it all the time. And I did again today in prep for this podcast. (laughs) This movie is darker than the original. It has more adult storylines. It's got crazier looking monsters, but it still remains true to the characters and to the world and it has that quality that everyone knows and loves about star wars throughout the whole film that is our gold pick mike drop i feel good about that (laughs) and as someone who hasn't seen any of the star wars movies i quote the misquote of luke i am your father all the time like it's in it's in like the the lexicon of our culture like we just say things like Mm -hmm. that so, mm-hmm. and it's a good, good pick. Oof. 
It is. It is. It it is the obvious pick. Also, I will say, um, but obvious wins. Because I, <laughs> I will say, there's a couple. I do have a couple bones with uh, with Empire Strikes Back. The first thing is, I cinematically the opening scene on Hoth is super cool, but it is pointless. Mm, how so? What, what purpose? What? What? You tell me. How does it matter? What purpose does it serve to the plot? So it. So what I think the the opening scene on Hoth does is it shows how realistically uh, the uh, Rebel Alliance is to being wiped off the face of the galaxy because that like what we see is pretty much the entire Rebel Alliance and they're fleeing and we get this we get this sense more of how important it is to Darth Vader. Now that this ultimate weapon has been wiped out of the death star, that he is going to pursue them to the ends of the galaxy. And he's not going to stop until he has taken care of this. And I think if we don't have that, then you just get a little bit of text during the opening crawl. That's going to kind of show maybe a little bit of that, but you're not really going to get the emotional impact that this is personal to him. And he is going, he's invested enough that he's going to go down to the planet himself and chase them out of there. He's going to try to wipe them out himself. Lisa, that feels very important. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what literally the rest of the movie does does though i think the 20 minute opening scene on hoth was a way to be like look at this and i think it was meant to be like look at what this world is look at this different planet look at these different military technologies walking tanks that seems like a good idea said no one so there's just a lot of things on there that's like i i don't know it just it was cool and there's some iconic stuff there but it just does not i don't feel like it you, matters you do also get the the moment when luke is out in the the frozen tundra on his own and he gets the force ghost of obi-wan coming back to him telling him to go to dagobah it really does it really does help set up the future events and star wars but that did not have to happen on Hoth. It, that could have happened anywhere. it's true but at some point, you're going to have to have some sort of conflict, some sort of event that's going to take place. So why not make it a cool winter planet when you're going to go to a swamp planet next, and then you're going to go to a floating cloud city to finish off? Uh, okay, maybe. It's, it was <laughs> it was a long 20 minutes for me of that. It, it did not need to be that long at the start of the movie. And then to be like, oh, we're just, we're done with that. We're just going to like shut that and move on to like the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie felt like it connected a lot better than that first segment to me that felt like a separate like a prelude almost to what the rest of the epic was but fair um i will also say something else controversial (laughs) so i think boba fett is stupid i do not think he is a great character i think that he was one of those things that became like culturally exciting yep and so then he just got like latched onto, and so then they that's i think why they kind of threw him in the prequels or whatever but it's like i don't know he's a bounty hunter like all right Okay. All right, cool. And he has like a helmet and he has like, okay. Have you not watched Dog the Bounty Hunter? Bounty hunting is super cool. <laughs> it's the Dog is cool. Dog Lisa, is cool. he tells them, Boba he gives them not. a cigarette in the car and tells them that they matter. <laughs> Come on. I think Dog is cool. I like Dog uh, the Bounty Hunter very I'm much. So I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to disagree with you, Lisa, that like he became, I think, bigger culturally after the film yes. and after Return of the Jedi. Absolutely. But what is interesting though is that we do have a bounty hunter because he is like the only bounty hunter that actually gets like any dialogue because we have one scene where we see like eight of them. He is the mm-hmm. bounty hunter that does find Han Solo and you know yeah. and does all that. But he does get a couple good lines in there and he very much has a feeling like if Clint Eastwood was a bounty hunter in space, that would be Boba Fett. 
You know, mm. he's no good to me. He's dead. I need him alive. Like, that's all he says. And you're like, man, I don't want to mess with this guy. That's, that is the most stereotypical <laughs> bounty hunter thing to say. Like, they have to be alive. That's what the bounty hunter needs is that to be alive. I mean, that's not like iconic. It's like what they would what say. Do you, what do you want him quoting William Shakespeare? <laughs> he's going to give some Hamlet for you? To, no. He doesn't need to be there at all. He's like, I need him alive. All. That's all he needs to say. <laughs> he's a bounty hunter. I will also say... Again, we're just going to wrap up the controversy. This is my last thing that I have with this is I was okay. So with with uh, New Hope, I was really interested in getting to know more about Darth Vader and his, you know, um, uh, his motivations, all that stuff. Super excited about it. And then you kind of find out he's he's not as in control as you think he is. And he's kind of like a puppet. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Like, uh, I can I can roll with this. He's got some some internal conflict, whatever. But I think. Like, when you find out that he's Luke's dad, and it is, it's this very dramatic, like, oh my gosh. But it was just like, that was, like, that is kind of the the culmination of his narrative plot at that point. And it just is like, he loses all his momentum in that moment. It's gone. I don't care about Darth Vader anymore in that moment. I just feel like he's, like, he evaporates to me. He becomes, like, the weakest villain at that point. He's just is done. He melts away. Hmm. It's hard to dispute that with just the film we see in Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when you ha- when you have to look at his whole story arc, then it makes a whole lot more sense and you can say okay, I understand because this is, you know, he's this horrible like amazing villain and then he decides that hey, now I'm going to use this opportunity. I've been hunting down this kid who now I know is my son and I'm going to try to convince him to join me so that I can overthrow the emperor. He will then be the top guy. His son will be the guy below him. So it, he's using it as an attempt for a power grab. but Unsuccessful. But there's other things that happen later and the redemption arc and all this other stuff that happens. And so I get what you're saying. Like, I, I don't disagree mm, yep. with where you're at there. Um, but I got to say, like, as a character overall, like... I really do dig the character arc minus the whiny stuff from the prequels where they were just filling in stuff. But like the idea of like, you know, (laughs) someone who, who at one point murdered children and hunted an entire basically, you know, population uh, culture to extinction to then try to turn the other leaf and be like, no, I've got to make amends or do things differently, whatever. Yes. Like that's great. That's great storytelling. Yes. But you only get a slice of it in Empire Strikes Back. Right. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right, Lisa, that was our gold. That was our gold choice. (laughs) What is your gold choice, Lisa? Good luck. Good luck, good luck, good luck. (laughs) I did go a little bit deeper cut. I went something a little bit more recent. And um, because, yeah, I would say episode five. (laughs) Episode five is is the classic obvious choice for, I mean, it's a great movie. You are right. There are a lot of great things about it, but I would say, and I'll make a case, for the gold Star Wars movie to be Rogue One. Mm. <laughs> Not even a trilogy one. You're going to go, no, 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 no. go standalone. I'm going. I'm going standalone. So <laughs> Rogue One was, it came out in 2016. It was written by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy from a story by John Knoll and Gary Whitta, directed by Gareth Edwards. And as Lindsay said before, it's set just before the events of episode four. So it becomes, it, it chronologically between episode three yep. and episode four. And it follows that group of rebels on a mission to steal the plans for the Death Star. All right. 
So without going into too many details about the actual plot of the film, here's why I believe Rogue One was gold. I think the acting was incredible across the board. All of the actors were super great, even like small parts, even like when we kind of get to the end where there's all the like they're doing like the heist, quote unquote, like all of those actors are super good and it's super engaging. And I was with them the whole time. The action sequences are super great. There's aerial dogfights. There's armored combat vehicles. There's flamethrowers. There's snipers. And there's still space drama. It focused more on the war side than the political side, which I think makes for a better engaging film personally. The music and visual effects were super great, other than the digital recreations. That was stupid, yep. but that's that's fine. So the music and visual effects I thought were really great. There's a darker tone, like you said, with episode five. I feel like Rogue One harkens back to that as far as the, the darkness of it and just thinking about the massive impact it's having on everybody. Jen Erso is super incredible. Mads Mikkelsen, super incredible. Um, Cassian Andor was incredible. I also appreciate that it ticks the little boxes of that Star Wars that you have to have a funny robot and someone large and hairy. So you've got K2SO with the with the funny robot, and then you have Baze Malbus, which I would argue is someone large and hairy. So um, there's multinational casting, which is wonderful. I love, I love, I love a good heist movie. And I feel like this kind of naturally winds that in at the end, too, because it always feels like a Star Wars movie. It always feels like a sci-fi movie but then it's also a heist too and it was just like how that all wraps up and culminates at the end i would say i know that you said that the score of episode five is your favorite thing of all time i would say the ending like that end scene of rogue one is one of my favorite cinematic scenes of all time hands down it's just so 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 good because you're invested in their drama every character has a big moment everything is massive at the end and that final battle is just honestly one of the best things i've ever seen so what i like about rogue one too that i feel like makes it gold in the star wars universe is that it's free of the weight of like the myth and the expectation that comes from being in the star wars universe like the force awakens struggled with which is entirely to its benefit because rogue one can be a star wars story without feeling like it has to have all of the skywalker stuff in it all of the lore in it like it can be a, a piece it can be a cog in the machine and it's expertly done so that is why I think Rogue One is a gold Star Wars. Movie. That's a very good choice. I'm I'm mm, I'm not going to disagree. Like the, I love Rogue yeah. One for a mm. lot of the reasons you mentioned, but one of the biggest reasons I love it is that it finds a way to enhance Episode Four and give you a yes. little bit deeper understanding and knowledge that ties in nicely with that film without like having to retcon anything. Which right. is very, very, very difficult needle to thread. If George Lucas yeah. had written that thing, it would have been oh my god, bad, bad, bad. Yes. <laughs> I do, I do yes. have a couple small gripes with that movie, though. One okay. of them is that while I do love it, and I love the fact that they went with like the seventies mustaches and sideburns, so that it really <laughs> does feel like it fits in with a New Hope. Yeah, because this literally uh-huh. takes place. Like yeah. days before A New Hope, this whole film. Yes, yes. The one one of my gripes is is because they were trying to shoehorn this story in here. We know how this movie has to end. We we don't know exactly mm-hmm. how they're maybe going to get there with some of the characters' uh, arcs and stories, but we know that they're going to have to get the plans and they're going to have to be able to get them to the rebels. We know that because yeah. literally, if you go read the first paragraph of the opening crawl to the original Star Wars: A New Hope. That is the mm-hmm. plot for Rogue One. Yeah. Boom. Right there. And yep. that's a great tie-in. 
but stories that I know, I know where it's going to have to end in order to make sure that it kind of fits there for me, always leave me wanting more because I like a story where I say, I don't know where this is going to go. So when JJ Abrams did the force awakens, yes, it was kind of a retelling of a new hope, but he left all these different breadcrumbs and he ends it in a way we don't know where the next movie's going to go. When The Last Jedi ends, we don't know where The Rise of Skywalker's going to go. And so I I didn't have that moment with Rogue One, uh, which was a little bit of a letdown for me. Okay, see, I would go the opposite, and I would say I love that it's encapsulated in a single film because I think there's a lot of... I mean, there's a lot of plot threads that they have to tie up pretty well. And like you said, they it bridges a gap from something to another thing, and it does it really really well and I personally like those it's not an unreliable narrator but it's kind of like an alternate storytelling technique where you know how it ends but you're still invested every step of the way like you know how it's going to end but you still care how they get there and the fact that they can make me emotionally invested in all those steps as we get there even though I know it's going to be successful I don't know how and I want to see how so for me, that was more engaging because I was like, how is it going to happen? The other thing not the other thing that really, I think, detracts from this movie is the, the uncanny valley with the digital recreation of Grand Muff Tarkin and Princess Leia. <laughs> I mean, th- that, yeah, it's, it's, not great. it's one of those things where I kind of went, eh. if the Grand Muff Tarkin stuff wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't too bad. But yeah. when they showed Leia at that, I was like... I get it. Carrie Fisher has just died and this is going to be like a little tribute. I was like, just leave her out of it. Show her from the back, but don't have her turn and reveal her face. We'll all know who it is. Fans will know. It'll be a nod. It'll be a wink to the fan service. Yes. But uh, yes, I, she turned and I went, the digital recreations were No, no, nope. And that, and that for me, that is, that is one of the, the things in the movie that holds it back. But I do love that it has that 1970s kind of political heist thriller mm-hmm. feel about it. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I know that in the general fandom, it's not going to rank super high. Which is unfortunate. But yeah. it is a great movie and I do love it. I just can't slot it above Empire. For for me, uh, that's that's fair. That is fair. Well, and that, I think that is fair. I think as you pointed out earlier, Spencer, like Empire Strikes Back is like this iconic thing. Yeah. Like it is even more than just like oh, it's a really good Star Wars movie. It's like it's one of the greatest movies. And so like I don't feel like Rogue One has really like permeated culture like Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back has. Which is too bad because Jin Erso is an amazing heroine and yes. she is should be a role model for all young women mm-hmm. everywhere. And so like there is great things in that film. Mm. Yes. Lots. But it's just, yeah, lots. when you look at it and stand the test of time, I mean, it's just not going to be to the same level, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. That is fair. Okay. So, Spencer, <laughs> thank you yes. so much. I feel great about these choices. They I are, think you should, too. They are incredible choices. So why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you when your podcast drops, all of those those fun things. So give us your socials, all the info. So the Fortress of Nerditude drops every Thursday morning. We are a weekly podcast. Uh, you can find me, man, uh, Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Ford of Nerd. Twitter, which is where I'm primarily at, which is at Ford of Nerd. I'm on Instagram, Ford of Nerd. You can get me through the email, Ford of Nerd at gmail.com. I'm out there. You can hop in my DMs, talk to me. 
at me on stuff that you see. I like to interact with people all the time. Uh, and I like to show things to people. So like when uh, I saw a picture of someone who got a Batman tattoo recently, I was showing it to my <laughs> wife. I was like, look at this. I'm like, that's dope. Anyway. It is super dope. Thank you. So yeah. you, can find, you can find me there. And uh, I'm everywhere podcasts are. iTunes, Google Music, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher. Cool. Cool. Great. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on. Special Thank you for having me. I loved this. Yeah, this was yeah, a lot of fun. Yes, this was great. It was fun. You are our first yes. guest uh, co-host, and I think I yeah. think you did an excellent job. Oh, Thank very, you. Yes, I'll have to try this confident. podcasting thing again sometime. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindsay. So hit us with that recap and tell the listeners how to vote. You guys can go and vote for our garbage options. My garbage option, thank you, Spencer, <laughs> episode two, Attack of the Clones, or Lisa's garbage option, episode one, Phantom Menace, using the hashtags Lindsay Garbage or Lisa Garbage, and your vote for our gold options, my gold option, again, thank you, Spencer, for the unbeatable, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> or Lisa's gold Rogue One, not even in a trilogy. Whatever. Um, <laughs> using the hashtags Lindsay Gold or Lisa Gold on our Instagram and Twitter accounts at Garbage Gold Pod. Please do that because we like to hear what you guys think and we like to hear your choices and we like chatting with you. So get up in our feeds and tell us all your feels. There's plenty of them to go around for Star Wars. <laughs> there is plenty. <laughs> and also, like, show some love for Spencer. We had a great time with him. Oh, my gosh. What a so fun, good. So fun. What a fun episode. So fun. What a what a knowledgeable yes. participant in a Star Wars movie it. discussion. Oh. So way so to go, good. Spencer. You're so the best. Um, yes. And we will share the poll results on the Star Wars movies and our favorite listener comments on our next episode. If you have not already done so, if you could head on over to iTunes or wherever it is you listen to us every week and rate, review, and subscribe our podcast, we would really appreciate that. And if you wouldn't mind, you should tell your friends about us. Because if you like the podcast, um, I'm sure your friends would too. Because, I mean, they like you, so they obviously have great taste. And oh, that's so nice. That's a nice <laughs> thing to say. I know. I'm trying. <laughs> I feel like you were saying it to me personally, and I know you weren't, but it felt very personal. I'm like, well, thank you. I hope, I hope everyone feels like I said to you personally because I mean it I mean it for every single one of you listening right now so good. you're amazing so good. and so are your friends look at what Star Wars does to me it just like brings just, the world just, together just glowing <laughs> I am because I feel so good about it I'm so knowledgeable about Star Wars movies so feeling good and then you can join us next week when we deliberate the garbage and gold of cookouts just in time oh, for 4th of July. We're going right, to talk about man. cookouts. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah, like barbecue backyard yeah. cookout. Is that what we're thinking? Okay, yeah. cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fun. <laughs> I'm really excited. And I like want to eat at a cookout like now. Oh. It makes me very yeah, hungry. For sure. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Mm, excited. Summer, <laughs> summer, summer fun stuff. Yay! Summer is here just in time for Fourth of July. We're going to talk backyard barbecues, the good, the bad, the ugly. Oh, wait, that's not we, our podcast. We, we. We're talking the garbage. That's what we do. <laughs> the gold. Perfect. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.